Hey everybody, it's Tony Florio. Welcome to the Holy Shift edition of Hangry and Horny. I am sitting in my studio. It's actually my car. It's overlooking the Pacific Ocean at Fort Funston. It's a place where the hang gliders take off and ride the thermals up the cliff. Um, over in the distance, I can see a ton of paragliders out there just floating up there in their canopies. Their parachutes looks amazing. You can imagine what it's like to have that view up there and, uh, you know, try to stay afloat, not crash the ground. Anywho, I'm just, again, looking at this amazing view, just kind of staring out to the horizon. It's almost sunset. Uh, actually, the sun's already come down. And... I am just ranting, riffing, improving. This is just a chance for me to kind of get all these ideas and thoughts out of my head. I will just be talking, sharing all the things that I'm feeling. And, uh, you know, the story with Holy Shift is... Actually, before I get into that... I would like to give a shout out to my sponsors of this show, DroppinFBomb.com. They make amazing nut butters, uh, macadamia based. They are in these amazing small tearaway package. You can take it on the go, travel with it. They make for great snacks or even a light meal before a physical activity um, or something that you need to do with your brain. So, check out their website. They got a, a line of different oils. Again, macadamia based. They have one of my favorites that I like to eat with very low, low sugar. And uh, that's the salted chocolate version. They have a pecan version. They have a sea salt version and a coconut version. They make uh, salad oils that you can use like avocado oil, olive oil. They even have... Uh, MCT oil that you can drop into your coffee kind of slow down that jittery caffeine effect and get a nice cognitive boost um, and I also seen at their uh, at their recent visit the factory they have a, a nut oil blend that's like Brazil coconut and I want to see MCT as well so check out dropinfbomb.com and use the promo code FLOWREAL, that's F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, and that'll get you 20% off of your first order. They also make, uh, for those that are into a keto diet, they have these awesome cheddar cheese keto crunch. They're like cheese chips. So if you want to get like a nice yummy snack in again, or you have the munchies, uh, check out their Keto Crunch cheese chips. They're just delicious. Um, yeah, I just can't stop eating them. If I have like a few bags in front of me, it's, it's over. So again, thank you, uh, dropanfbomb.com uh, or fatbomb.com. Check out their website. Use the promo code F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L 
and I'll get you 20% off of your first order. So guys, the story behind Holy Shift. Yes, so I grew up in San Francisco, California. Um, I don't know if you know, those who are new to listening, um, but my story goes that I had, had grown up hearing impaired. I, at an early age, developed uh, ear infections. So around the age of four, I remember going on to, you know, field trip uh, during preschool in Japantown, San Francisco, at a school called Neon Machi. And I just remember having the most horrible ear aches it felt like I was getting ice picks through my ears into my brain and uh, by the time we walked back to the school I actually passed out in a you know hot sweat on the uh, little cocks um, that we slept on and uh, remember waking up to my mother beautiful angelic face and her being a single mom, you know, she would pick us up or pick me from school, pick me up from school and uh, around when she got off of work. And uh, yeah, it was such a relief just to see her. And I remember vividly just telling her, mommy, my ears hurt. And uh, that was the beginning of me, you know, going through multiple ear surgeries to drain fluid out of my ears um this had gone on for many of my younger years probably i've had i don't know how many ear surgeries where they put these tubes in the ear to drain the uh excess fluid that was building up behind the eardrum uh so many before the age of 10 or so but through that process by the time i was uh five years old around kindergarten I was I was given my first pair of hearing aids and you know at that time I do I mean it was crazy as to have an amazing memory of uh, my younger years and not so much what I did yesterday which is really weird so I remember hearing you know, before that, I remember having pretty good hearing. Um, supposedly, I had a, a speech impediment. I was also a very uh, quiet kid. Um, I just remember being very, you know, in awe of the world. I was just taken back by the beauty of everything. And I was very introverted. So, to me, it was a natural thing. But... After a while, I guess people around me were always wondering, like, why wasn't I not speaking? Um, It took me quite a long time to actually speak. So I think at one point my mom said that my father was wondering if I was, um, if there was something wrong with me, you know? Um, You know, like maybe I was a little slow or delayed. So I... Uh, eventually lost most of my hearing in my right ear and you know my left ear is my best ear 
And ironically, that's the hearing aid side. That's where I wear the hearing aid. So apparently the uh, hearing aids that we wear uh, amplify the hearing that we actually have. So since my right ear is almost completely deaf uh, up until very recently because of the work that I've been doing with it, um, and I'll get into that uh, electro uh, echoscope modality that I used to help sort of improve my hearing where they say it's, you know, uh, you, you'll tend to lose your hearing as you age. And it, it fluctuates with different things, um, you know, especially if I start developing a flu or cold or I'm congested, then, you know, of course my hearing's going to be affected. But overall, you know, it's been pretty steady over the years, especially the last 14 years of using this uh, specific technology. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was difficult growing up. Um, you know, I actually had to go to grow through speech therapy. You know, a lot of people say that I have an accent and uh, speak differently than most. And, uh, you know, I was very self-conscious of that as well growing up. And over time, that's just with anything, I had started to learn of myself and started to adapt and kind of use the lack of hearing as a superpower it became my strength because it enabled me to become a better listener and it enabled me to pay attention to my environment. So I liken this to people that are, I guess, blind, that they become better at hearing their their bodies, their brain actually adapts. So perhaps it's the similar experience for someone that's partially deaf or deaf that their vision becomes more acute. So I've been pretty aware of my surroundings. You know, I'm not saying that I have like super uh, vision or, you know, or uh, my ability to listen to people is just out of this world. But I do seem to notice that I don't interrupt people in conversations as much as the people around me. So not that I'm saying I'm better than or they're worse than, but it's just an observation. And it's it's been interesting uh it's just been an interesting process you know over the years of paying attention and i started to notice certain phenomenons and this is where the holy shift stuff starts to come in and the story behind that is that you know at the age of 26 of finally graduating out of college at san diego state university in a degree of exercise science kinesiology which is basically the study of movement i moved to the island of guam out in the south pacific and moved there for love i uh, fell in love with a, a woman that was nearly 19 years younger than me oh, excuse me 19 years older 
And uh, I basically felt like I needed uh, a new experience. I had been living in California for most of my life. Had some, you know, travel experience. And I just really wanted to be closer to Asia. And so through a series of events, I, I meet this girl, end up in Guam. And, you know, long story short, um, things like fell apart within a couple of weeks of being there. And within a month, I was almost homeless. And I had like a couple of weeks uh, to have my return ticket back to California, which in my mind, I didn't want to go back to. But the dilemma was I couldn't live with my girlfriend because we were breaking up. So I ended up in a house uh, with her help because she worked for uh, Continental Airlines at the time. And she was actually responsible for, you know, uh, pilot scheduling for the airline. And she saw on a bulletin board in a break room that there was a room for rent. And, you know, at the time I had pretty much blew all my graduation money to fly out to live in Guam with her. And now I was nearly homeless. And with her help, she actually got me into the place. And, uh, you know, I ended up renting a room that... There was about four rooms in this this house in Barragata Heights. And uh, it's where, you know, my landlord and my landlady, I met them and, you know, really became close. But during that time, I was pretty much the only one in the house. There was another roommate, another pilot who was off island. Um, he usually comes every two weeks, so I haven't I haven't met him yet. But at that time, I was super depressed. I was heartbroken, and I was very heavily into meditation. So back to you know not being uh not hearing well growing up and having these flow experiences that I talk about a lot where time starts to bend it's it's interesting when I have like a amazing conversation with people where hours could go by and it just feels like minutes have gone by so you get the the gist there so I just remember being depressed heartbroken sad crying all the time um you know it's hard to get up in the morning and the thing was like before I ended up in Guam I had, had actually reached out to a, a fitness gym out there so the manager at the gym Pepe what's up Pepe if you're listening he uh he actually saw my resume was super impressed and hired me before I even got there. So that was the place that I would go to every day. And uh, my girlfriend, well, ex-girlfriend at the time, she was just kind enough to lend me uh, her sister's car, which her sister was kind enough to lend me. And 
um, anytime they weren't using it. So I'd go down to the gym and and try to get clients at that time. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much all I was doing. I'd either be at the gym or I'd be at the house crying. And at that point, I'd, I was meditating a lot. I was praying a lot. Um, but this concept of God, you know, is something that I've always been questioning. Um, I went to Catholic school for nine years growing up in San Francisco, at Holy Name School. And, you know, a lot of it was, it was pretty fear-based, you know? I mean, I felt, I even felt like an outcast because I wasn't actually baptized like all the other uh, kids in my class. So I would participate in the church activities, but I would never, you know, be in a Catholic school, get to receive, um, I guess they call it communion or the bread of Christ. And uh, I would actually sit there in the pews while all my friends would go up and receive communion and come back and but the most profound thing about all that was, although I didn't really understand, you know, the sermons, uh, first of all, again, I, I couldn't even hear as well as everybody else. So to me, it was just like another language, obviously, when, especially when they were speaking in Latin. But there have been moments where I would just sit there and have this profound peace come over me. And I never really understood what that was. I mean, you know, when you're that young, you don't have much life experience. You don't have the context for what you're experiencing. And uh, all that started to come to me later on, including, you know, I didn't have the context when I experienced the flow state for the first time. And uh, so, yeah back to the house in Guam I you know I just remember like being so sad that I cried myself to sleep and this was the beginning of the first holy shift experience that I had where I woke up and it was like the veil had been removed from my eyes so for the first time um probably since I was born I felt whole and I didn't really understand what had happened um but I just felt better you know I wasn't as depressed I just felt like more complete and um you know at that point things started to turn around for me um I started getting clients at the gym for both massage and personal training and, uh, you know, like I said, whenever I wasn't doing that, I would be back at home meditating. It was really diving deep into myself, which I had been over the years. But I was doubling down. And it was interesting because once I got to this place where I found that sort of inner peace and it was like, it wasn't until later I started to understand how to describe this better, but it's almost, you know, akin 
to a radio or a cell phone where you have you know this transmission bars on your on your phone for example and and uh you're trying to communicate with the person on the other side of the phone that you're calling and talking to you and you know sometimes that the transmission bar is only a one or a two and it's just it's just making a lot of static or you know there's just parts of of the conversation that's getting cut out and you're hearing words and you're not hearing anything and and so in meditation it's similar where you're actually trying to tune in within so you're almost pretty much cutting out sensory input from outside world and when you do that there comes a point where you feel this like almost like resistance initially but if you stay with it long enough and you you focus on just letting go there's different methods to you know breathing focusing on your breath uh observing the thoughts as they pass by you get to this place where it becomes silent and it feels like the transmission signal is boosted to five and beyond and that's where you start tuning into some pretty interesting phenomenons you know like your intuition kicks in and we've all had these experiences too where you're thinking about somebody and then soon after the phone rings you pick it up and it's the person that you're thinking about or you'll have a thought about somebody when you're like shopping or something and turn the corner and there they are um it's it's all these kind of phenomenologies that are i like to use fancy words sometimes phenomenons that you know science is on the cusp of understanding including the most recent research that somehow we're human wi-fi where the they did some research on uh rats of course because they don't do these kind of things on humans because it's unethical and well you know obviously it's better to do it on rats right but uh all in the name of science i guess and apparently they had cut the nerves in the brain um so they severed the electrical connections between uh parts of the brain and then they measured uh those areas thinking that the electrical activity would just be nil that it would just there would be none at all and it turned out that there was still electrical activity going on so they thought that this is kind of weird well let's repeat that experiment and they repeated it over and over again and and uh apparently uh there's wireless signals going on in the brain of rats so they're just pretty much saying like that's maybe possible in human beings 
including uh, telepathy and other kinds of interesting mystical phenomenon. So my point is, with the holy shit, I had this sort of mental breakdown and cried myself to sleep um, and woke up like a brand new person, so to speak. And then I had went about my business in Guam. Things started to turn around, like it said. And then I ended up, you know, at times on my break going down the street to the uh, the main church in Guam and the uh, town of the capital city of Haganya or Aganya, depends on who you speak to. And I would sit there in the pews and just pray. And uh, again, although I wasn't a person that agreed with this word God or that concept of, you know, it being some supreme being that is a white bearded man in the sky. I I knew that there was something going on, you know. Uh, how could there not be in this vast universe that we live in on a blue marble in space, right? That's orbiting the sun and the sun blasting through the galaxy. So what was interesting is that anytime I got quiet and really got in tuned with myself and I I always felt like I was more present too and I felt more like connected you know with myself with with everything outside of me and it seemed like my intuition was heightened so at that point you know I was going about my business like I remember going to the post office to mail some uh, postcards and I ended up in line next to this beautiful island beauty um like to be redundant too <laughs> and she was just wearing this incredible red dress and I just remember her and I making on eye contact and she had like green eyes and you know, black hair, and I was just blown away, and I almost just felt like the butterflies, but I remember saying to her, like, that's a really nice red dress you have on, and, uh, which sounds really cheesy, right, <laughs> nice pickup line, um, and she just kind of looked at me and said, oh, thank you, and it, it was almost like this awkward silence, and then I didn't even know what to say or whether to shut up or say something but out, out of my mouth just on its own it was bizarre but I, I said oh it, it, your red dress matches your nails which she had red nail polish and she was like oh wow thanks for noticing and then I was just standing there and she got called up to the uh, counter take care of her uh her male business and I was like man I have to like I have to talk to her some more I need to maybe ask her out on a date or something and at that point I had it was my turn on the next counter so I noticed that she was finishing up and 
I I just paid what I needed to pay, and she already had taken out, taken off out of the uh, post office in Guam, and I remember running out to the parking lot as she was about to step into her truck, and I said, "Hey, hey," and she was like, "Uh, yeah," and I was like, "What are you doing this weekend?" And she's like, uh, I don't know why. And I'm like, because I'm taking you out to dinner. <laughs> and she looks at me like, like almost like shocked, but amused. And she says, are you even going to ask me what my name is first? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And, uh, you know, it's like, like no foreplay skills there on. Huh? So anyways, I was like, oh my goodness, I embarrassedly, I was like, I, I'm so sorry. I was like, what's your name? And, and, um, I'm not going to actually say her name just to protect, uh, people's identity. But, um, she told me her name and I said, oh, it's great. Um, my name's Tony and, you know, nice to meet you. And, and, uh, then I was like, so what are you doing this weekend you know and she's like oh unfortunately it's gonna be my daughter's birthday so that won't work and and I've heard these kind of like responses before and I was like oh okay well I, I just felt like she was just kind of shooting me down but I was like well can I get your phone number and she was like yep and uh she proceeded to give me her phone number which was like six eight seven and her name and I just looked at her like oh my goodness are you kidding me like I, I thought she was just like blowing me off again and she's like no that's my number and I was like all right well it was nice to meet you and uh look forward to c connecting next time so she hopped in her truck and took off and I went back to the gym and so I think it was like a day later I gave her a phone call and, uh, you know, she didn't pick up. So I left a voice message and, uh, I didn't hear anything back. And then probably like two more days later, I left another message and just radio silence, you know? So I just figured she blew me off and I, I let it go. And, uh, I, I just went about my my business I went you know just kept doing what I had to do to to make it on Guam and and uh two weeks later there was a phone call and I picked up the phone and it was it was that girl and she was like oh I'm so sorry T Tony um I was really busy but uh what are you doing um tomorrow night and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm free. And so we ended up going out on a date. Uh, sparks flew. And we ended up, you know, becoming a couple. And the funny thing was she um, proceeded to tell me that she was Miss Guam. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm dating like a beauty pageant winner. <laughs> So, um, not surprised. I mean, she was beautiful. And, uh, so we dated, it was, it was sparks for flying, like I said. And, and, uh, you know, 
but it was like we were burning the candle from both ends and within six weeks uh she dumped me and uh i was at that point i was just devastated i mean i thought the first heartbreak was pretty bad but this one was this really like sent me to rock bottom and uh down in the marianas trenches the deepest part of the earth uh, so far as they discovered and i just felt like i was just miles and miles underwater and uh you know i remember again being so depressed like what's wrong with me why why can't i ha keep a relationship and uh you know i was i was just really really confused and uh maybe even like suicidal you know i was like so sad like nothing was sort of working out in that department and again i remember being in tears and sort of having the night the dark night of the soul as they say and i had basically cried out almost like if there is a god like please help me and i remember falling you know crying myself asleep again and what happened after that was i literally woke up the next day with the veil removed from my eyes like this time it was like you know i had a peak the first time but this time it was like the whole curtain had pulled back and for the first time in my life i felt whole and complete full and one you know it was like i guess in the literature is that they call this some kind of uh, unitary uh consciousness experience and uh this this began you know uh it, it was just interesting because I, I realized for the first time that i couldn't base like my happiness on anything material outside of me including a girl you know a relationship and uh you know it, i felt like I felt liberated for the first time that I didn't need anything again outside of me to complete me to feel uh like uh like a complete person I I didn't like a you know a whole a whole person so fast forward I guess 18 months later uh at this point i had experienced all these magical events on guam uh, i ended up on tv newspaper and radio working with kids um you know the local triathlete team the uh some mma fighters and uh you know i, I kind of was like you know many local celebrity and this is what was interesting was you know when you start to tune into yourself and get quiet whether you do meditation or mindfulness or whatever practice you do where you actually unplug from the outside world and tune in you start to get clearer messages you start to notice like what thoughts 
are streaming in that you know uh with the monkey mind you know that prefrontal cortex hyperactivity you uh, you turn the volume down on that inner critic and it's like the world becomes clearer and there's less noise even when you're in a stressful environment and in chaos you start to pick up pure signals and at that point I had really been sort of jaded with the exercise fitness world you know there was a lot of vanity and uh, sort of felt you know a bit incomplete and lacking again uh, although I did have a holy shift uh, moment which I'll get into like how I came up with that word or phrase um, and I'm not saying I'm the original one but this is how it, it came up but uh, I just was sick of the sort of fitness industry attitudes uh, regarding you know uh, appearances and it's it's very dysfunctional you know there's a lot of people that are insecure and you know I was certainly insecure looking at magazine covers and you know wanting to look like those people not knowing that yeah they were airbrushing or photoshopping in the early days and you know a lot of that stuff is not real you know it's 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 Hollywood and so I remember thinking to myself that I'm not feeling fulfilled with the line of work that I was doing in the exercise and strength and conditioning world. And I wanted to do something that would bring fulfillment, a sense of satisfaction uh, uh, that was rewarding. And I remember meditating and and putting it out there to the universe god whatever you want to call it um please show me uh, a new career a new line of work that is helping others that enables me to serve and feel feel good as a result you know in terms of not relying on the work to feel good but just there's this sort of mutual synergistic uh like receive receiving or reception you know and um uh so you know i remember putting it out there like that and i let it go because i was never one to like beg or pray for for good fortune um i just felt like that was i was kind of coming out of a place of neediness so i just remember just asking you know asking for guidance and and then i just kind of let it go I, I forgot about it and and then it must have been a few days later but i remember getting an email and on that email uh title it kind of grabbed my attention and said former stuntman shattered his leg like Humpty Dumpty and uses space age technology to regenerate the leg and a year from the date of the injury 
he ran his first triathlon and uh i was i was just kind of floored by that because i had you know in the early days i was interested in becoming a initially a medical doctor and then i was like oh well i, I love sports so i'll get into sports medicine but you know and i realized how long it took to to go through medical school and then to specialize in sports medicine that was never someone that liked school um and i had actually dropped out at college three times before I, I finally graduated at san diego state but i realized oh well maybe the next best step is to become a physical therapist a physiotherapist and and that's when i had volunteered in a hospital and i uh, was in the physical therapy unit and i was just looking around me and it was just seemed kind of somber it seemed a bit sad or dark you know it was like almost like a dungeon of like torture devices you know for people that are coming off of uh hip replacement knee replacement um they were getting different therapies done and they're probably on you know pain meds and it just was a depressing environment and I was like I actually don't want to do this either you know um I'd rather work in a more upbeat positive environment and that's when I realized like okay well the next step down from there was to become a trainer a personal trainer a strength and conditioning coach and uh that's which led me in that direction but back to that email about a former stuntman who shattered his leg like Humpty Dumpty and uses space age technology to regenerate his leg I was super skeptical you know but I also was open-minded and I think that's one of the best parts of how I maneuver in the world. I'm always curious and I have an open mind, but I still like question everything. And uh, sometimes I'll lead more to one side or the other and, you know, I'll get in trouble being too open-minded or I'll get in trouble for being too skeptical. But at this point, I was like, you know, I got to investigate this. Uh, and so... There was a link there for a teleconference call. And with Guam and its time difference from the uh, continental USA, I missed the actual teleconference call, but there was the recording. So I listened to the recording. And Mark Victor Hansen, who basically co-created uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul is one of the greatest um, and most successful uh, book on the New York Times bestsellers list. He is um, he was interviewing uh, the stuntman John Thorpe and John Thorpe was a stuntman for Magnum P.I. He uh, was stuntman for Jake and the Fat Man he I'm trying to think oh yeah he was also the stunt man for lee majors uh the uh, bionic man and uh so 
John was sharing a story how he had shattered his leg in, you know, uh, an accident, and uh, which wasn't stunt related, ironically, but uh, he ended up in the hospital, and the doctor said that they had to uh, do a complete knee replacement, or he'll never walk properly again. And John, being the stunt business, he consulted Lee Majors, who's like a famous 80s actor in the Bionic Man um, TV series. But uh, Lee Majors told John, like, don't get the surgery. That will be the end of your stunt career because they'll just replace you with uh, somebody else that doesn't have a, a replaced knee. So John elected to not get the surgery. Uh, Lee Majors said, John, instead, fly out to L.A. Because John was in Honolulu, Hawaii at the time. He said, fly out to L.A. and go to the uh, Curlman and Job uh, clinic, physical therapy clinic, where they had this technology. Uh, I've used it on my own arthritic knees and I'm pain-free and you know, I think it'll help you. So John flew out to this clinic. Uh, long story short, he ends up getting therapy with this device. At the time, it was called the electro acuscope and uh, electromyopole. So there were two different machines. One that works on the nerves of the body and the other machine works on connected tissue like muscles tendon ligaments bone etc and so within i think he was treating himself uh or got treated and then eventually got his own machines but within a year or 18 months or something john was completely healed and he ran his first triathlon on a knee that was not replaced and wasn't supposed to bend so when I heard this story on a teleconference call, it's just like, wow, that that sounds incredible. Uh, I would love to learn more. And what really got my attention was when John, during the, the call, said, you know, Mark, they're going to have to rewrite the cellular physiology textbooks and call it cellular physiology and that's when I was like wow you know because I was into you know spirituality and meditation and you know being an athlete I had experienced the zone so many times and I knew that there was something going on I just wasn't sure if other people were talking about it so anyways uh I ended up calling the institute to inquire more because I was like I think this is the career that I want to go into and so I call it the institute uh, a person picks up a tech it seemed like a, a rep for the company and ended up having a conversation with this guy for you know 30 40 minutes and I just thought it was like a rep for the company but at that 30 40 minute mark the person on the other side said tony where are you calling from and i was like i'm calling from guam and he's like what the hell are you doing out in guam man are you a surfer or something 
And I was like, yeah, I surf, but the the reef's too shallow for me. I'm not that great of a surfer, you know? And he's like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, by the way, you're you're talking to John Thorpe. And I was like, like, the John Thorpe? And he's like, yep. I was like, holy shit, man. I was like, does it really work? And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming back to California from Guam. I would love to stop by your clinic, love to meet you, love to see that knee because the way that the knee healed, I mean, it, it's pretty deformed, but fascinatingly, it, 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 it has full range of motion and he has been pain-free for 30 plus years. At that time, it was like 20, 20 something years. And, and, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll give you, here's my, uh, personal cell number. When you come out to California, give me a call. Um, you know, because I basically wanted to meet him. I wanted to see the knee. I wanted to get treated myself. And, uh, he just said, yeah, just call me whenever you get close and we'll, we'll connect. So it was just these synchronicities that were happening and what was really crazy was john was friends with uh a lawyer out there in guam and uh you know and i knew of that lawyer as well so it was just uh, i mean i actually knew the lawyer so it was just it was just kind of small world kind of thing and so i long story short again (laughs) which i'll probably be saying a lot uh i end up you know, leaving Guam, I go to Maui, and my sister was living there at the time, and, you know, it was like the first time that my mom, my sister, and I had had, like, almost our first family vacation ever, with my mom being a single parent for, you know, uh, for most of our, you know, younger years, um, so, again synchronicity started happening i was hanging out with them and i told them about this technology and this stunt man and and uh my mom was really skeptical i mean the the cost of the machine was just you know uh to get involved was at time twenty five thousand and five hundred dollars and i was just like i don't know how this is gonna happen but you know uh i have to i'm gonna figure it out you know things are lining up i don't know but my mom was super skeptical she thought maybe it was a scam and uh i was just doing a ton of research on the internet you know back up in that sort of dial-up times you know and uh i end up you know i guess one night just sitting in the the room of my sister's house that she was living at and she comes in and and she had done this uh earlier on in my life where she would just randomly show up in the bedroom and give me a book that she thought was really good and she had given me this book by dr wayne dyer power of intention and uh you know i was like oh wow because i was like a big fan of dr wayne dyer so I read this book and in the book it said that the future of medicine was going to be energy medicine. So it was just like, wow, that's interesting. Like almost another sort of cookie crumb from the universe, you know. And then after that, 
I had reached out to a, a friend of mine that I met in San Diego before I headed out to Guam, and she was a massage therapist, and she actually worked at the uh, Grand Wailea in in Maui, where you know I was visiting, and uh, I just remember John Thorpe. He had had clinics in Hawaii, including at the Grand Wailea. So I called up my friend uh, Deborah, and I was like, we were hanging out, and I said, "Hey, Deborah, do you know who a guy named John Thorpe is?" And she says, "Oh my God, yeah, I used to work for him. Why?" And I was like. Oh my God, like, like with the machine? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, does it work? Uh, do they work? And she's like, oh, oh yeah, it does. And I was like, oh my goodness. So, you know, at that point, I decided to get John Thorpe a call because it was coming to the end of my trip in Hawaii with my family. And I was like, I need to meet this guy. There's just too many, too many uh, coincidences happening. So I call up John, he answers, and he says, Tony, where are you calling from? And I was like, well, where are you calling from? And he says, I'm in Napili. And I'm like, shut up, man, I'm in Lahaina. And there are basically two neighboring towns on Maui. And he says, great, let's meet for brunch tomorrow. So just unbelievable alignment um, John and I end up meeting in Kanapali, which was uh, the middle town between the two towns. And, and, uh, I saw his knee and I was just, just blown away, just understanding biomechanics and anatomy. And I meet his fiance who's become his wife since, uh, Lisa Thorpe. And, uh, she was just super sweet. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was like, I, I don't know. I need to get involved. The only hurdle now is how to come up with the funding for uh, these expensive, expensive machines. And uh, during that whole time, I hadn't even had a, a really good friend of mine say, you know, he's charging too much. You can go with these other people. And and it's true. But something inside of me said I, I can't deny all these sort of serendipitous moments you know and so I went with my gut but still again I, I didn't have the funding I had actually called up all my affluent clients in Guam who had trained and uh, had asked them for a loan and told them the story and and they're just they're like Tony we, we love to you but it just sounds too risky for us so that didn't work and at that point and this has been a re reoccurring theme in my life is I I gave my best. I researched. I I try to ask as many people as possible. And at a certain point, you just have to let it go. You have to let go of the attachment to it the, and surrender. And at that point, you know, um, I had forgotten about it again. It was similar to how I had let go of the thought of of connecting with Miss Guam after I didn't hear her, uh, her I didn't get her phone call returned uh, those two times, and I just let it go, and it, it was out of my mind. And the funny thing is, is once you completely forget about it, it's 
been my experience. Not a hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not talking like the secret, you know. Although there's there's some truth to that, but there are also some, uh, you know, exaggerations as well with the secret. But uh, I let it go, and I just remember having a conversation with somebody and told them about all these synchronicities that happened, how I met John Thorpe, and a person close to me overheard the conversation, and this person wants to remain anonymous. But after I had finished the conversation with this first person, the other person that was eavesdropping came in and said, Tony, I believe in you. I believe in what you, you're... Uh, the machines and I'm gonna I'm gonna write you the check for the full amount of 25,500 you never have to work on me uh or sorry excuse me you never have to pay me back but the only thing I ask is whenever I need it just work on me and I was just I was just stunned I was like really and and this person was like, yeah, I, I totally believe in you. I believe in, in the machine and wrote the check right on the spot. And and then I pretty much, you know, mailed out to uh, John Thorpe. And he actually called me when he received the check and was like, Tony, how did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. It just, it just happened. And uh, so this leads to... The end of uh, the story where part of the reason why I was intrigued by the machine was maybe it could help with my hearing. And so, you know, John put me on a protocol where I was treating uh, my ears uh, twice a day, basically like morning and night, uh, for at least like 20 to 30 minutes each time. So it's it a bit like a meditation, a traditional meditation where you would sit in one place the only difference is I was actually hooked up to electrodes on my earlobes uh, one electro on each earlobe and I was doing this for I would say like after the training I, I did it for about uh, two weeks straight and I went through all the different frequencies that the brain operates at from delta state which is uh, when you're sleeping but you're not dreaming is a dreamless state and then there's theta it's where you actually have rapid eye movement and you're dreaming and then there's alpha which is like a very relaxed state of mind and uh and then there's beta state which is being alert and aware and you're processing like multiple stimuli and then you know, there's also a state called gamma. It's a very high frequency brain state. So I went through different uh, frequencies, all the different brainwave states. And, you know, at a certain point, I wasn't feeling the tingles on my earlobes anymore. So I checked out the manual. And I was actually at a clinic at this time in Palo Alto near Stanford University at a, a chiropractor friend of mine had opened this clinic. I started working out of it. And I was in the room, uh, one of the um, 
clinic rooms when I was hooked up to the machine and I just remember looking into the manual like can I go uh, increase the intensity higher because I wasn't feeling uh, the tingle effects on the ear anymore and so I read for the the ear clip protocol for the ears um, you can go up to 200 microamps and currently I was at 100 microamps and so the moment I clicked it over to 200 microamps I nearly fell out of my seat I heard angels singing and the whole veil had completely removed right in front of my eyes as I was awake like it didn't happen when I was sleeping and like this time I was consciously aware of all of this happening and I had hit this sort of crescendo peak experience I had I nearly was just speechless I was in awe like I was completely just blown away by this experience and uh I was just in that room for probably an hour just blissed out of my mind and so when I was done with that treatment protocol I had turned off the machine and cleaned everything and put it away and as I walked out of the room my chiropractor buddy and his business partner as an acupuncturist they just looked at me like what happened in that room like what happened to you because you just look like you're glowing or something and I was like just speechless I, I didn't know what to say I, was, I don't know I just told him what I did and I just had this sort of epiphany experience and and so all of us actually went to lunch soon after and uh I I just was remember seeing like the world was just glowing everything was just I was very present there was the colors were richer the sounds were richer it was like the volume on the stereo was you know increased um all the way to 11 as they say and and I was just I was just overcome with joy and bliss and and uh extreme gratitude so as we came back uh walked back to the clinic um, we were in the office and uh, like the administration office, like lunch room, break room. And I was trying to describe like what the heck had happened in there. And, and they, at that point, you know, all I could say was when it did happen, I, I remember saying like, holy shit, holy, sh holy, holy shit. Because I was like hearing angels singing I again the veil was removed and it was like I saw the world for the first time like I was a small child and uh at that point I when I said holy shit for the first time in my life even after nine years of catholic school schooling I understood what holy meant because I felt like whole for the first time like H O excuse me W H O L E whole and I was like geez I, all these years I, 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 I did religion I went to Catholic school I never knew what holy meant but this time I actually had a direct experience 
And when I was saying shit, I was like, holy shit. I had a holy shift. Holy shit. I was I was just tripping out and I actually put a W in front of holy. So that's how I spell it. It was W-H-O-L-Y. And then shift, you know, S-H-I-F-T. And um, that's the story of holy shift. And so I really understood the context of all the prior holy shift moments I had throughout my life, including these flow states moments, whether I was riding waves and uh, getting barreled or tubed, um, playing sports and things would go into slow motion or, you know, I got a hole in one at the age of 10. I had, you know, remember hitting uh, whether a golf ball or a baseball, they they call it this sweet spot, and uh, it just everything feels like what they call effortless effort. It's it's a bit like a uh, Taoist, like uh, Zen, and uh, yeah, it was it was a profound direct experience, which is what I had sort of lead my life by now. You know, because I was such a, I had different forms of addiction over the years. Uh, never so much uh, drugs or alcohol, but, you know, I was definitely an info junkie. I was a bliss junkie and, uh, you know, now a flow junkie. And, uh, you know, I started to understand, um, especially in the, the information uh world where you know a lot of people are are operating out of theory they're they're reading every book they're reading every kind of article online or watching all the videos listening to all the podcasts like i had definitely had been there and uh you know but never actually implementing not actually getting my hands in the dirt um blood sweat and tears getting the uh direct experience and and it's one of those sort of uh i don't know conundrums or uh dia i can't think of the word right now but you know it's a it's like a paradox because you you definitely want to put effort but also you also want to be able to surrender so there's a really cool a chart that I have that I found and posted on Instagram where you know you have one side discipline and then the other side of the uh the chart it's surrender and then the intersection point in the middle is flow so you know you, you definitely want to give your best but you also want to paradoxically surrender at the same time so so that is the Holy Shift experience. I will be doing these sort of monologues, uh, just riffing again, um, podcasts. I, you know, really appreciate everybody that's been supporting me uh, on Hangry and Horny. Uh, we're going to have some amazing guests again coming up. Um, I also want to give special thanks to 
my my lovely sponsor uh f-bomb dropping f-bomb.com ross and kara just had an incredible trip out to flagstaff to see them um, at their factory with my my new irish girlfriend from ireland judy we had an amazing adventure trip out there and uh thank goodness we didn't get snowed in they got about almost 40 inches of snow in one day it was the most snow in one day ever new record but uh yeah these guys they make again delicious macadamia nut butters so whether you need a delicious snack or a light meal um they have just incredible flavors so go to dropanfbomb.com and check out their different variety packs. They also have merchandise like t-shirts and uh, coffee mugs. They have uh, other oils that you can use for your salad, for coffee. Uh, you get creative, your smoothies. So go to dropanfbomb.com and use the promo code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, and get yourself 20% off of your first order. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's a total blast just to just let go and and uh, freestyle here as I uh, share my story about Holy Shift. And uh, as the Hawaiians do, where they're talking story, they, uh, they inspire me to do the same with you guys. So... Uh, I'll continue to share different stories that I've had where I've had these, uh, you know, different brainwave states of mind. Um, I absolutely love uh, flow and the research on flow, the science on flow states. And will continue to give you different experiences that I've had and hopefully that will help you with, you know, maneuvering and thriving in your own life so thank you again for listening and much love everybody Mwah.